Hello, and welcome to another episode of Scions of the Southland. As always, my name is Akshay Ishwaran, and joining me from the beautiful city of Atlanta, Georgia, is a man who always appreciates the Pro Bowl, Mr. Jake Grant. How are you doing tonight, sir? Oh, I'm I'm doing fine and dandy. I've uh, gotten two-thirds of the way through one uh, heat transfer problem today, so I guess you can call it productive. <laughs> I don't miss the student life. I got to say, I really don't. Dude, the, the curly, the curly does and the straight up and down D's of differentiation are all running together. So I think it is time to uh, quit that and just think about sports for 40 minutes. How's that? Sounds like a plan. I mean, boy, looking at our shot sheet here, we, uh, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, we know we got, Swim was in action, track and golf, women's tennis is still rocking and rolling. Men's tennis, I think, is still in action as we speak in Auburn right now. Um, and then we have some casual other schedule updates down the line. So let's put where's my where's my timer here? Let's put our usual 30-ish minutes on the clock and get started. What say you? Lay it on me. Let's go. All right. Three, two, one, here we go. Let's start with your favorite neck of the woods, the swim and dive team. They faced off versus Gardner-Webb. Tell us what happened. Yeah, um, well, shout out the diving for doing FSU and Miami both Friday and Saturday, but I think the, the main event is always uh, senior day because much like you think about the homecoming game in football, um, you try and schedule an event you can win on senior day, and that the Yellow Jackets did. Um, the men topped Gardner-Webb 183-94, and the women 190-78. Uh, those results really never would have or should have been in doubt. Um, but sadly, that takes away my favorite talking point about the men, in which they were probably the best no-win team in the country until uh, until this week. But uh, they they've looked very good all year, and both uh, both teams, I guess you could say, uh, thrashed their opponents. Um, but I mean, also I, I, Gardner Webb. Yeah, the the caveat I mean, is Gardner Webb. Yeah, it, and it's an important caveat um, because these aren't. It's not like they just went up to Athens or out to Auburn and thrashed top twenty five team. They thrashed a team that's frankly not very good, but. Uh, a win's a win, and I think the headline of the day, um, especially if you follow the social media for the team, uh, is that uh, Cameron Hidalgo, uh, platform record, and that gives her all three of the women's team uh, diving records, one meter, three meter, and platform. So, uh, yeah, I guess you could say uh, looking looking pretty good on the boards. I think this isn't too much of a statement to say that she could be the uh, – the goat of uh, tech women's diving. So there you I mean, go. If you hold all the records, I'm inclined to agree personally. Yeah. I mean, there's not really much better you can do. And, and, and in tech's history, it's a relatively young program. It's not like we can point to some, Oh, it was 1940 and, and the sport was different kind of thing. Like you, you can kind of do with football, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it, it's, it's, it, we we kind of know that you know Kayo Christian on the men's side are two, are two of the best uh, swimmers Tech has ever had on the men's, but not really. It's kind of hard to place them in the exact uh, grand scheme of things. But 
with uh, with this diving, it seems a little bit more clear cut. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, Let's uh, move. That's swim, though, so. Yeah, I was just about to say, you caught me right mid-transition. Let's move on over to track. Uh, some say the on-land version of swim. Uh, I, I see you have written here, strong showing in distance events, uh, and they had some field events this weekend. Where were they at? They were up in Clemson again. Um, again, I guess might get a little bit dull, but it's a very easy trip. They have a nice facility, and uh, I guess it's a last hurrah for the men for a team that they've ran against for years and years and years. Um, Clemson is shutting down its men's track and cross-country teams, which is a tragedy, but uh, you always hate to see an Olympic sport go. But the men uh, the men had some good showings. Um, they, also did, uh, they also did have – some uh, 200 meter dash and uh what was i gonna say there's another there's another sprint event we don't usually do uh sprint events all that i'm not gonna say all that well but i mean hurdles are all right but our track our track team makes its money uh in in the 3000 and other distance events as well as the jumps so yeah that's they stayed true to form so Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on over to over to golf, which is not a uh, on land version of swim. So uh, I heard that they were out in Hawaii. So so tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, first off, can confirm it's not on land swimming because I am awful, absolutely awful at it. But they were out at the Southwestern Invitational out in Southern California. Um, They're playing bunch of California teams plus Louisville ETSU. Um, so yeah, pretty, pretty good field, but definitely a California flair to it. And they came in seventh out of about 12 teams, uh, which is, Merp. Yeah, it's, it's not great. It's not terrible. Mm, could have, uh, could have probably seen some stronger showings on the day, but again, it's a very young team. Um, the, the, I guess, biggest veteran presence, Noah Norton was the, Oh, and that fifth guy uh, for last year's team. So that kind of shows you what they're working with. Um, in, in golf, the top four scorers uh, or the top four entries score, and then you have a fifth uh, scorable entry. And then sometimes Tech will carry individuals. Uh, Tech's individual, uh, Bartley Forrester, did pretty solid. Um, Might I add, improved. future future Cobb Community Commissioner Bartley Forrester. <laughs> True. Um, if you would have been in the scoring lineup, I think that might have changed the calculus just a little bit, but not enough to move us up or down a place. But I will note, um, Luca Karolik, uh and Will Dixon look, looking pretty good for, for young names we haven't seen a lot of. And then Connor Howe had a, uh, had a decent showing as the week wound down. Pretty sure they're taking the same team out to Hawaii this week. So hopefully uh, – you know, each each step builds on it. And and I will note the, the weather Monday and Wednesday was not awesome. Uh it was cold, windy. Like they noted that 20. on the TV broadcast too. Yeah. Uh, on Wednesday they moved it up because the, the weather was supposed to get bad enough early enough that it was, you know, not uh, not great for golf. But um yeah, no. Uh Karalik is a sophomore, didn't see a lot of playing time last year. I mean, obviously it was it was a short season. So we We'll we'll take what we can get. I think um, I'm not going to be a not that I'm gonna ri- not going to ride this team hard, but um, they are a very young team. It's a little bit unrealistic to ask for them to, you know, three or four peat 
the uh, ACC, I think, in given that they just lost two amateur champions in one year like that, that that is an unfathomable deficit that I don't think any coach has ever had to face before. So uh, there you go. I don't know. I have high expectations for all my programs, uh, as always, personally. I just want to see growth. That that's my ask for George. Hey, Tech reasonable Ball. expectations are not uh, allowed on this podcast. All right. So you want to talk about our uh, impending national champion uh, women's basketball team then, or no? Uh, I mean, we can talk about our impending national champion women's tennis team first, if that's okay with yeah, you. That. <laughs> that's fine. Okay. Women's tennis, uh, our new favorite official, our new favorite sport and our new official podcast sport. Um, they are absolutely wrecking teams, and it is fun to watch, other than the one minor scare versus UAB that we, uh, I, don't, I don't remember if that came up before or after we recorded the other day, or it was during the midweek, but it was... An interesting, interesting uh, little scare there where I think one of our models in-house had tech with 99% win probability the entire time despite uh, UAB leading on a couple courts for most of the singles. Um, With already two points under their belt, too. Yeah, it was was a tricky one. It was a tricky one, but they did get past – uh, KSU uh, earlier this week and Auburn earlier today with uh, without breaking a sweat, really. Uh, and, I mean, next up for them is ITA Indoors. So you're the, you're the local tennis expert. So you tell me a little bit about how these indoors work. Um, I, I was going to say, I don't think I'm even the biggest tennis expert in uh, our tech sports group chat, but uh, I, I do my best here. Um, ITA Indoors, uh, if you were following along the weekend before last, um, Georgia Tech hosted kickoff weekend, as we do somewhat often, um, and had Duke and a couple other schools in town. Uh, Duke was ranked number six, and we knocked them off in the kickoff weekend finale, and that earned us a slot in the ITA Indoors. Um, This is an annual event. Usually it's 16 teams. This time it's uh, eight teams. So Georgia Tech... Could play up to three matches if everything breaks right, but the field is pretty uh, pretty stacked, so we will see how the seeding works out. But uh, given the teams that have won their matches, um, that would be number one, North Carolina, number two, UCLA, number three, Texas, number five, Pepperdine. Uh, Pepperdine. Six, They'll get you Pepperdine. for that one. It's Pepperdine. Dude. I had a friend play volleyball for Pepperdine, men's volleyball, and I still say it wrong. I'm a bad person. It's fine. Uh, hey, no, you said it, not me. I was going to say, uh, 9 and 10 are both uh, OSUs, the Ohio and Oklahoma versions. And then 13 uh, is Northwestern. These rankings came out last week, so I don't know if that's how they'll be seeding them. But uh, I haven't seen a draw yet, so presumably we'll play Pep um, on Friday. But who's to say, really? Who's to say? Really? North Carolina is a very good team. UCLA and Texas up there, too. So no matter what, we're about to be running into some some, some tough stuff. But we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah. I, I mean, it'll be an interesting tournament, uh, if for nothing else other than, you know, this is the first real look against 
I mean, it's the second real look that Tech will get against high, high quality competition, uh, especially early on in the season. They had that. They had the match versus Duke. They had a match versus. I want to say it was South Carolina. I'm really bad with the calendar, um, but after after that, they've faced. Eh? I mean, Auburn is is you know, it's a power five team. They're usually tough. Kennesaw, eh, UAB, eh. but this is like this is sort of your. Are they national contenders? Uh, and how, can they get this done um, in the tournament later on this spring? This is the this is really your test, I think. Yeah, I. Uh... Even if we don't win the first I, – I said this last time we made it to indoors. I think that was – I think it might have been two, two or three years ago because we, we went I to the Final it was 17. Four. It was the same year as this Final Four, so it was 17. 2018. 2018. So 2018-2019, we had a very good year, a very good team, um, and it was just one of those, okay, they weren't this good – like they are good the year before, but they weren't, you know – Top eight, tops. Well, I guess it was easier to make it back then, but they weren't quite as good as they are now, or as they would prove to be later in the year. Just getting more reps against a great team is going to go a long way, especially for a team like Georgia Tech women's tennis. And we've seen in the past week that they're still a young team, right? They're super talented, and they have some great senior and veteran pieces uh, in in Vicky Flores and Kenya Jones, but really. We don't know how the rest is going to shake up and just getting them good reps. The Duke match, great example. They locked down, mm-hmm. they grew. It was, it was a great finish to a great match. And again, they, they won in a, as our friend Ethan Kreger, former, formerly a co-host, would say, the super duper tiebreaker. Um, two days in a row, that's pretty good for a young team. Uh, but then again, you're, you're just getting reps. You want some quality uh quality opponents it's the same logic behind going all right i'm not mad that swimming didn't beat bama in the middle of the regular season you know i'm not mad that they didn't beat auburn in the middle of the regular season women's tennis i won't be mad if they go in there and lose to you know pepperdine texas ohio state in the first round but the more they win obviously the closer they get title and the ability to hang a banner and whatnot but the more they win, the more reps they get, and that will only pay off positively when it becomes June and, and NCAA season, which, I mean, the ITA is a great tournament, and it, it's still a national championship, but I think more of the general populace kind of pays attention to those NCAA titles. So if it gets us more ready for that, then I think that's all for the best. Agreed, agreed. So let's flip over to the other uh, tennis team, the men who swept Kennesaw twice, and then they also swept Auburn earlier today, that sort of ties into the same thing that you're saying. They got more reps. They're, they're getting better. They're gelling. They're learning how to sort of handle, handle these competitions. But this isn't as young of a team, if I remember correctly. Um, and well, they're about to face a bit of a buzzsaw as well. Yeah, well, see, the interesting part about that is, too, is for a team that needs – pretty similar things to the women. The men, they were on campus last year, but they didn't get a full season. You know, they they got the MLK weekend, they got in February, but for all intents and purposes, they're still pretty green, you know? And and getting 
even another chance at, at UGA and, and Carolina, we, uh, sorry, South Carolina, the not real Carolina, sorry, um, is, is only going to do them better for it, I think. Um, we saw them play UGA better than they have in quite some time, like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whenever MLK weekend was. And I think that that will, you know, we can use it as somewhat of a barometer, but the one I'm really going to circle is South Carolina at home. Uh, they've been promoting it, so hopefully it's outside. Um, if they're promoting it to students as a thing you can do and go to. And, uh, hey, if they win that, that's a, hey, look, they did get better. Or if they, they're they closer, it's, hey, look, they're, they're playing a quality team uh, as strong, stronger as they were last month, last year, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I hate, I hate justifying the the losses as, oh, it's okay for some teams and, oh, it's not for others. But I think you fundamentally, like, even saying that about women's tennis, they're a great team. They are going to go far and they're so young. So that's one thing. The men, they need to get those reps in and I'd rather see them at least take a chance than not at all, you know? I think it's the it's – the, I, I know when we talk about football and we talk about the NFL, it's sort of that title window, right? Yep. It's the concept of being able to compete within a, within an amount of time. I think with the men, we've been seeing them be at some of their highest talent levels, but at older average ages the last couple of years, and especially as we get into this last year and this year. With the women, they are younger. Their window is longer. With the men, they are older. Their window is shorter. So we hold each to a different standard, I think, is sort of the long version of what you're saying. I I think you could see it like that. But I was more going for the and, – and your logic works. And I think compared to us railing on men's basketball shouldn't have lost to UVA. Duke, We're getting whatever. there. We're getting there. We're getting there. And and I think that logic applies in that scenario for sure. But it's just very interesting. Like, I'm not worried about swimming not beating every opponent on the schedule as long as they're getting in good reps. Because, like, it, it not that it doesn't matter in the same way, but, like, the women's team is going to pick up the wins somewhere. Just get them in front of the best competition and get them better. You know, the men's team still needs to grow. Just we, we need to see progress, and I think that's more of what I was going for and that it's weird to just be, like, okay with that, whereas, you know, in a, in a say, men's basketball, again, or even baseball with as high as those expectations have been, like, it's winning time, you know, there. And that's the expectation, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I totally understand where you're going with that. Uh, it's just... I, I'm still partial to my like to the window theory, right? Because you're saying it's wind, it, it's winning time for the men now, but you know the women have a little bit more tail, like uh, a little bit more of of a little bit more time, just in general, yep. uh, until like it's it's really crunch time. Anyway, well, I, I'm I repeating myself. I was gonna say I want to say one last thing on that, and you're absolutely right, and I think the best. That, that the window is only open so long. The best example of that is we went into last year. Men's golf is a top five team, top four, top three, top two, top one team in the country. 
And we saw that window get slammed shut before we could even like look through it, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's where the, that's where COVID, uh, not to, you know, make light of a serious situation, but that's where COVID in, in college sports really bites you in the, in the behind, right? Where you don't mm-hmm. have your seniors, your very good seniors, your developed talent taking that extra year. It's like, I mean, I have no qualms with, uh, with the guys that left the golf program, you know, going and getting that money, you know, secure the bag. You already have your degree. Why would you stay to get another one? That's just so much more work. I say. Exactly. So, you know, secure the bag is, is the TLDR. Um, But at the, but at the same time, you now see a team that, that is rebuilding. It's not, it's not really a reloading. You saw two major, like you said, it's two major contributors left. They don't have immediately obvious replacements, and now they have to not start from scratch. But you, you, you even mentioned last week the what Hepler was saying, where you know it's the guys that we bring that get guys that we bring on these trips that get the reps. It's not like the guys at home can go out and practice. It's yep. it's the we have to deal with the guys that we have. So anyway, long winded way of you know talking about development and timelines and expectations, right? I was going to say, I have one last um, yin and yang to, to our talk, framing that in tennis. You say the two went out, they got their bag, they got their, uh, they got their degrees. Good job, Andy. Good job, Tyler. Think about women's tennis, too, just for one more second. Vicky Flores is a senior, and Kenya Jones is back for her, like, double senior COVID whatever year super senior year super senior year they they might be looking at a not the same situation because they had a fantastic recruiting class last year and the the talent the freshmen are obviously fantastic so not not too worried about it but you know they might be looking at at least somewhat similar of a of a you know got to replace court one and court two or your number one doubles kind of thing and that that that'll be tough so gotta Got to enjoy it while we can. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about two other sports that have a similar dichotomy with in terms of expectations. And, and you also ruined my segue into this. I had I teed myself up perfectly with the expectations. Um, baseball and softball. You see the yin of baseball expected to host a regional again this year. And you see the yang of softball where we're like – I don't really know what to expect. And I bring both of these sports up because we've seen the full schedules now just to give like a short overview. Um, Baseball will go, obviously it's usual February to May. They go a lot deeper into, into May than softball does. Um, They start out with an absolutely brutal stretch of NC state and Louisville and conference play. Uh, And honestly, the, I, I took a brief look through the whole thing it's just a slog. It's like, it, there's not really a, a long lull of, okay, you should be winning these games. You should be blowing these teams out and, and you should be sweeping these series. It's just every series, every, every opponent is, is challenging in its own way. And, and none of them are, you know, absolute dumpster fires is a disrespectful way to say it, but I watch a lot of Atlanta sports and I know what that looks like. So none of them are, Absolute dumpster fires. Um, On the softball side, everyone is – we've talked about softball before. Everyone is in that sort of same 
middle, meh, uh, competitive ACC coastal, everyone's with crabs in the bucket kind of deal, other than the top line uh, of Florida State. So what do you think about, you know, both of these sports, where they're at, what what this season is going to look like? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll start with baseball because you led with that too. Um, 12 out of the 13 conference teams is a lot of ACC ball. So we're going to be very familiar. And the ACC is primed to have a pretty darn decent year. You got Virginia, Miami, Florida State, NC State, Louisville, Clemson, us. Like, we are going to be seeing good teams. So the fact that, yeah, we we only get Auburn once this year, and it's the return to Georgia Tech half of the of the series that we didn't get last year. Uh, those may recall that the last day of <laughs> the a last normalcy. Day of, uh, normalcy was Georgia Tech baseball closing out a nice win on the Plains. Um, we'll get two against Athens. Uh, they're they're never uh, never all that weak, but they're I think they lost some pieces. I, I haven't seen they, as much. They lost a lot of that top. A lot of their top line starters were drafted. So you're, you're talking about I think Hancock and then the second or the two pitcher are both gone. So I, I mean I got, it's not I like they're ha ha good riddance. It's not like they are terrible this year i mean they're still ranked in most polls it's just they lose a lot of that top they've lost a significant bit of that top line talent um so i would sort of equate it to that from 2018 to 2019 or like that 2019 to 2020 for georgia tech where they lost so much of that name brand talent um especially in the lineup i think that's sort of the transition period that they're in yeah and and that's the interesting thing about baseball too is they're projected to be really good and they have all this talent and they're recruiting like mad and they have a new stadium. But other than, you know, some of the abbreviated season we saw last year, a lot of it is still at least relatively unproven, right? Like it's a lot of most- talent on paper. It's, it's, it's all Atlanta sports. It all ties back together. It's a lot of talent on paper. Um, and even the talent that we saw in what, like, I don't even think they got 15 games in last year. Like a lot of the talent that we saw at the beginning of last year's season before, before the rest of it got canned, it was, I mean, it was younger, but it it hadn't had a massive impact because you saw us get that, that um, I I think a good barometer for success is always that clean old fashioned hate series. The, the three game set that we play against Athens every year, because we are similar baseball programs at similar levels of prestige, similar levels of, of competitiveness in our conferences. Um, and they, I think they dropped all three games and, and it was, and it was, yeah. And, and, and the difference between, you know, the usual set, the usual series and, and last year was they played all those games in a, in a single weekend. So, Part of it is you're seeing that same opponent three different times, but at the same time, if you're seeing that opponent three times in a row in the same weekend, like there should be better results in 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 theory. I, I don't know. I I'm gonna see that and and raise you this. We saw them with a young team that still wasn't like the 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 team that Danny Hall trots out the first weekend of the season and the the first 
two, I'd say about two weeks of the season is going to rightfully have spots that see a little more rotation. The the lineup's not going to be as set. We saw UGA as a relatively young team in what? The third weekend of the season last yeah, year. Yeah, that was the was other thing. Because was... the swim meet was going on. The, the high school swim meet usually closes out the the year around or the month around this time of year. And it was in town. So that was a obviously very young team. You look at when did Georgia Tech have its best game against UGA in 2019? I'd late. say it was the SunTrust game, and that didn't happen until May, or at least late April. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see that lineup gel. Um, as, and, I, and I really do mean the lineup. It's not really a pitching situation. It's that lineup, where are you generating your power? Where Who steps up? Because it's still a question of, who replaces those pieces from the 2019 team? Because we didn't see that ironed out in uh, in, in 2020. It, we, there were those are still open questions. So I think I think the biggest uh, question mark of all of that is is that catcher spot, right? There's so mm-hmm. much hype, so much out there, but we still don't know who the next Joey Bart, the next Kyle McCann, is going to be, right? So mm-hmm. that big hole there's you know there's playing time that can be one at the corners there's playing time that can be one in the outfield there but it's it's really anybody's for the taking and that that's what makes this team like yes we could say it's really good on paper but predicting the the day-to-day how consistent are they going to be how's the lineup going to be like i don't know we've still never seen a full season of danny burrell and how that'll affect the team it's just very it makes it more compelling. It makes me want to have the season here tomorrow. Well, I mean, I always want the season to be here tomorrow, but you know what I'm saying? Like I've been, I feel like we've been asking these questions for almost 20 months now, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the same exact set of questions that we had last December, last January uh, when we were doing our previews. I think the same thing goes for softball, quite frankly. Bringing that oh, back to Oh man, the- you took my segue away from me. I'm I'm but, mad about it. I was looking like, for an opportunity to transition, and you took it away from me. But yeah, I mean, sorry, not sorry, but also at the same time, like I feel like just like almost bad writing about softball because the same questions I had about last year's team, I have about this year's team times like 0.5 or well 1.5, you know, times 50 percent. The uh, maybe that's why I've been doing math all day. Anyways, like I, I just don't know. Like, what should the expectation be for this team? Because we saw glimmers of, hey, we almost beat the preseason number one. We also saw glimmers of, hmm, this team's a little inconsistent. But where are they going to find the power? Where are they going to find the consistency? These are, I think, pretty valid questions for us to be asking, right? I and but the thing for softball, I think it, it's it's sort of the opposite problem, right? I think it has a lot more questions at, and we've been saying this for months now. It has a lot more questions on the mound than it does in the lineup. I think because so many of those players from years past have, have returned. Uh, I mean, you still have Brianna Roper, uh, Cameron Sanford is still in the lineup. I, I, Trisha Awald is still is still on campus, like. You have these these hitters that have been very good during their time on campus, and ha- the, you know that team has not lost a lost a whole lot. Um, but what 
is going to happen with the addition of Marty McDonald? What is going to happen with the pitchers that they've recruited? What is going to happen with that middle infield talent that they've recruited? That's where the questions are for me. What happens on the mound? Where is that consistency? And we saw some, I think in softball's defense, we saw some of that consistency or, or some of that raw potential early on last season with, with Lexi Ray pitching. But it's how, and I think we said it last week too, how does this team gel? How does this rotation gel? And, and how, do they, how do they, you know, string together consistent, consistently good, consistently solid uh, performances, series over series, weekend over weekend? Yeah, um, and all, all of that is completely valid. Um, one thing, gosh, it was on the tip of my, oh, yes. I think the most compelling question about this team is something completely out of their control. Do you want to guess what it is? Uh, how good Clemson is? That was going to be half of it. I was going to say Duke only has a year under their belt as well. But if you look at it like that, that's a sixth of the ACC that we really have no real barometer for. Like, yes, Duke was surprisingly good for a brand. And Clemson was hot out of the gate, too. And I don't know what was in the water in Lake Hartwell, but a brand new team did not deserve to be that good if, you know, knowing what I know about professional expansion franchises slash uh, in uh, in uh, non-revenue type arenas. <clears throat> See the first uh, 10 years of Georgia Tech women's swimming or, you know, other stuff like that. They were fantastic. Like, not even, like, you know the the oh they're a brand new team so they're relatively good. No 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 they were they were certifiably good and I think they are ranked they're predicted to finish like fifth this yeah. year. Yeah, they are. And Co- that is contrast weird. that with Tech, who is predicted to finish ninth, and we're still talking about as like super high potential. Yeah, I mean Which, that's that that gets back to the original point that you had when you introduced the team in general. The ACC is kind of just a bunch of question marks. After like FSU, Virginia it's, Tech, it's top line Florida State, and maybe second line Virginia Tech, and then a whole bunch of ACC Coastal. Yeah, well, and and I think long term, I'm gonna go go big big overarching point here. I think that Clemson starting a softball program and one that's pretty close to our hopeful level of talent this year is going to be a long-term very good get for this team that just kind of needs a rival, I think. Like, they need a closer measuring stick. They need the, this is the series that's going to draw the fans. Because, yes, everybody comes out for a UGA game when you're Georgia Tech. But unlike men's football, men's basketball, baseball, or tennis, or even some of, like, the more established women's programs, like, they have an opportunity to build a you're right up the street and I do not like you kind of rivalry with this team, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, I too much into it. but Well, it's also the fact that I think for Clemson, even though, I mean, we give Clemson a lot of crap for uh, eschewing any sort of uh, shame in investing solely in football, but, you know, I think oh, building <laughs> – and I, that goes back to the your point about the men's track program in yeah. you know in 
part of it. I think we there was an interview about where it was better explained. But anyway, I we have to give Clemson credit for starting a softball program, even considering those, you know, the conditions under which their football program operates. And then two, you also have to you, you have to consider you know, one, the piece that you said, and then I guess 1.5 or 2.5, I don't really know my numbers anymore, um, that where Clemson in the early stages of their program is aiming is probably just about where Tech is aiming in terms of expectations, where they should be in the conference uh, hierarchy, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Clemson, as it stands, is looking at that, at that sub-tier right under FSU and being like, let's go. This is where we want to be. This is where we... This is where we need to be. There is a power vacuum. Tech should be in that exact same conversation. I mean, am I allowed to plug a school like Louisville and say they're doing the same darn thing? Like, I, for for the listeners out there that don't know, uh, my sister is a commit to Louisville softball, so I try not to bring bias. I, I don't know. You know, like, it's it's tough to – I've never had to deal with a, hey, I might have a conflict of interest here in talking about this. But frankly – that's what they're trying to do too, right? It's not, and and I guess that's a more established program. So you can say, yeah, they want to challenge uh, Florida State, like Virginia Tech's trying to. But also at the same time, like there is so much of a niche to be a, I guess, B grade softball program. In the, like you're not going to be an S tier like FSU right out of the gate. Clemson cannot and will not expect that. Neither should Duke. Frankly, Georgia Tech really can't either right now. But that that low A but B C tier, there's so much elbow room, and that's why everybody has these expectations. Because I guarantee you, North Carolina looks at it and says the same thing, right? Like there, everyone is like, there is a power vacuum under FSU. Who is going to be the second dog? Even even Pitt's putting out stuff of how they're they're going to compete this year, and I think. Wolf. Like seven just thirty <laughs> something two years ago. Like it, there's chance for it to be believable, you know? If if not plausible. Okay. Just to just to sort of put the you know, put the bow on it. Like I said earlier, softball was predicted to finish ninth in the conference in this year's uh coaches poll. I, I think we'll probably end up doing a full, you know, preview episode for softball and one for baseball. I think there's so much intrigue and drama in both of these sports that we can talk for ages about. And I, I think we just need we need to give them the full episode treatment. But uh, since we are deep into stoppage time uh, now, very deep, I will say, uh, let's head over to the main events of women's basketball and men's basketball. I am going to let you take the women and just roll because I know you have things to say. All right. They, they deserve as much words as we've dumped onto at least every other sport. And I feel bad that by putting them at the end, this might tamper what we have to say. But the women's basketball team, if you are not watching them, they're on Tuesday. They're on on Thursday. You're doing on- yourself a disservice oh, if you're oh. not watching them. You're doing Legitimately. They're fun. Almost everybody on the floor is a threat from almost anywhere on the floor whenever they're out there. And they have been fantastic since going off of uh, what Coming was off of the, the COVID break. The state game. That was, that was a pretty bad thrashing or at least a, a handling of this team like we haven't really seen all year. But 
since they came back from their second COVID break, I believe they're undefeated. And even now they're they're receiving votes in the coaches poll, which arguably is something they should have been doing all along, given that they're number 22 in the net ranking, which determines your uh, the, the bracketology over at NCAA HQ. Uh, and in RPI, the old method, they're at 18. So, uh, yeah, no, go, go put some respect on them. It's uh, evening games during the week um, against Syracuse, top 25 team uh, in, I think, both polls, but definitely uh, definitely the AP, I believe they're 23rd. Um, and Q's is right now probably the third best team in the conference. We should be able to hang with them. If we beat this team, that is maybe not the expectation, but it's definitely plausible. Um, and, and I would very much like to see it uh, just as Jake Grant, the sports writer. It should and, also be noted oh, right now sorry. that Tech sits at third in the conference. Like that, that is an important piece here. Tech sits at third in the conference behind excuse me, the one and two teams in the nation in Louisville and, and NC State. And you can, I mean, you lock up a, a pretty nice second-tier position if you, keep, if you keep on this roll. Oh, yeah. Like a, like a four, five, six seed, I think, is entirely within the realm of possibility in the tournament. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think the, the risk here, and, and you have it noted, is the rotation that they use because without Bates, who we we talked about last week, as she would be back for the next couple of games, but it looks like that ankle sprain was much worse than originally anticipated. So she's still out, but now you're playing a Josh Passner esque like five or six to seven woman rotation, which you know playing with a little bit of fire there at times, right? Yeah, at least until. Uh... Sarah Bates gets back, uh, hopefully that's sooner rather than later. But mm -hmm. even in the season opening press conference, this was something that Nell Fortner noted would be a problem based on their opt-outs, graduations, uh, people on campus or not. Um, even taking you know a, a walk-on or two more than they had planned, this is a small team. Even in practice, they can only run – two lines plus a little bit of change. So the the flip side of that is, as, you know, uh, Ali Love, uh, Loyal McQueen, get more playing time. These are great opportunity for young players to step up. You know, there's, but I don't know. I, I'm going to talk myself into a circle here of the, uh, they're good, but they have opportunity to get better, et cetera, et cetera, yada, yada. But I don't think that changes the point either, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and, and this is the last thing I want to say before we move on because we only have five minutes left on the clock here um, of stoppage time. It's the, the thing for me is if you look at the way that their season has gone, they lost one game that they sh shouldn't have. Or I guess they lost two games that they shouldn't have. They shouldn't have lost to Athens in, in retrospect. Um, I think based on the way that that program has gone, I don't remember actually looking at the record recently, but they shouldn't have lost that second yeah, game to Notre Dame. In the country. Athens is a pretty good team. Okay, fine. I will take that back. So they, they, they shouldn't have lost that second Notre Dame game. That one I am 100% in on. They had an acceptable quality loss to NC State, which 
fine, whatever. NC State is head and shoulder. Like, they're the second-ranked team in the country. That's expected. Then they had that questionable loss, like you said, versus Athens. Like, those were their only three losses. It's it's a and and with the state of the ACC, the ACC in women's basketball is the exact same as the way it is as it is in in uh, in softball. It's you get under Louisville and NC State, and it's all funky, fresh, and coastal chaos, really. Um, so this is finishing out the season, closing out the last. I think it's still like ten or so games. And getting a really good seed in the conference tournament, getting a really good seed um, heading into the NCAAs will help this program to solidify themselves as that second echelon, second tier team to those traditional national powers. Yeah, um, I think the one the one thing that is my what if, man, what if is if we still if, if we didn't see such an exodus out. Uh, at the beginning of the Nell Fortner era about what it would look like different in the conference. But you can't, like, like all the, what if the Elizabeths were still on the team? What if Francesca Pond came back for her Masters? You can't ask those questions because this is still the best Georgia Tech team and the best executing Georgia Tech team we've seen in, in since, what, 2014 when they last made the tournament, I'd say? 2012. They last made the tournament in 2012. 2012. Wow, I knew I knew it was the even year. Why was I thinking 2014? I don't know. Not 2014 important. was a good year for other sports. That is that is fair. Um, couldn't couldn't tell you why. Go go on. Um, All right. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're, speaking of execution, I think that's a good segue into the men's basketball program. Considering that their execution in the last week of games has been questionable at best late late in those games i mean i i don't remember if we got a chance to talk about the duke uh, duke game last time we were on but they they dropped that game versus duke very late they dropped that game versus virginia very late those were winnable games within basically the last like minute to 30 seconds right and then they come out and put together this performance versus fsu where they were they did the exact same things they they limited term turnovers they were able to uh, defend pretty effectively and, and move and, and shoot effectively. It just, in this Florida State game, they were able to close. But in the other two games, they weren't able to, you know, be as effective, be as well executing in those final situations. And it really makes you think what this program would look like or what, what the expectations for this program would look like had they sealed off those two games. Yeah, I mean, well, first off, I can tell you have had a long week because the Duke game was Tuesday and the UAB tennis match was Friday, and you both uh, asked if we had talked about those last week on the podcast. Time is meaningless, okay? I don't even know what day it is anymore. In a, in a more serious point, you're absolutely right uh, about all of those things. I and thought, I know how much you hate that I am right in general. Oh, it, you know, it kills me. But I thought... FSU, we were going to see the exact same thing that we did down the stretch where you play 32 minutes of winning basketball against Virginia. You dig yourself out of the inevitable, wow, we're in Cameron Indoor and it's still weird, even though there's no uh, fans here. You're not like, 
To be fair, the, oh, the uh, refereeing in that game was still a little bit of home cooking, but I digress. I was about to say, uh, the, uh, the, the coaching staff had a right to be upset about how that game was called in retrospect, but they still clawed it out. But at the end of both of those games, you saw shots clanking, not making layups, poor shot selection, trying to be the hero. And against FSU, it looked like that was going to be the case from early, but you know what the difference is? Jose's hot. Mike DeBose hot. Jordan Usher, when he wasn't in foul trouble, shooting the ball and getting good looks. These are not I, – I don't think a fundamental change happened between the two games. I think the difference was a couple more shots went in. We were maybe a little bit more lucky on an out-of-bound or, or whatever, playing defensive basketball, paid off a couple more times, and boom. There's your 10-point margin against the number 16 team in the country. Well, could we call it steal luck? It's not. It's like kind of like turnover luck, but like similar? Yeah, I mean, the um, whatchamacallit. Um, Moses and Jose are the number one and two in steals per game in the, in the conference. So what, when that goes our way, that's a good sign for Tech. And, and I, I think FSU absolutely had some very scrappy – smart, quick, defensive play. Um, and, and we know Pastner preaches that. So if this is Pastner ball, I think even with Clemson, or not Clemson, uh, UVA and Duke not going our way, since the Clemson game and, and coming back from, you know, being on the shelf, we have had quite an entertaining two weeks of basketball. And that is more than I can say about, say, 2017-18, you know? I'm just it's been a long time since this program can say it has two competent basketball teams at the same time and yeah. uh you know I'm I'm excited about that that it's it's a new feeling it's a new and uncomfortable feeling to have expectations and you know well, I always say it's the hope that kills you or I guess I've recently always started saying that but I don't know. I'm ready to. I'm ready to ride this one until it ends. <laughs> 2 p.m. Uh, this come. This will come out on Monday. But 2 p.m. today. Uh, I for those of you listening to this on Monday, uh, Louisville, Georgia Tech. Louisville's 25th in the country. Back to back ranked wins. This one's on the road. Um, but again, a lot of a lot of men's basketball this week too. They're they're going to need to win more of these games. Like you can they need be- to grind out results. That's, like that's it. As good as as good as we know this team is, as good as John Rothstein knows this team is, as good as Passner and the staff know this team is, the NCAA, it takes so much more to get respect out of them in men's basketball, in football, in whatever, just because of who we are. And I and I don't think that's a ridiculous thing to say. You just have to look at how women's basketball has performed this year at nine and three in the ACC, and only has three votes in that poll, right? The men's basketball is going to have to put their heads down and win some of these games. To they're, close just gonna, they're just going to have to grind out results. I mean, they're still not in the field. They, it's the Mercer, the Mercer loss still looks bad, and you're looking at, you know, maybe beating Duke and Virginia override the Mercer loss. But you're still dealing with that. You still lost to Duke in Virginia. It it comes down to how you do down the stretch. 
right? It comes down to can you keep the momentum? Like it doesn't, it, moral victories are not necessarily a thing on the score sheet, but can you keep the momentum that you built up during these three games, these three or four games, and the performances that you put up during these three or four games? And can you do it consistently versus Louisville? Can you do it versus the, versus the other teams on the schedule? I don't have that in front of me, so I can't you know, start naming teams off. But can you finish out the season doing these exact same things with the right fundamentals, with the, you know, with, with limiting the turnovers, with emphasizing this sort of rangy, wily defense, and, and hoping at times that it doesn't, you know, break down on you. Can you finish is what it comes down to, both in a single-game context and in a season context. Yep. Um, and, and just to, to clarify that point, Georgia Tech plays Monday, 2 p.m. against Louisville, and then not again until Saturday against Notre Dame at home, 8 p.m. Georgia Tech right now. Actually, no, I want you to guess. What is our uh, our net ranking, do you think? It's probably still under 60. 55 after uh, yesterday's win. Okay. That's still – it's not safely in, but it's bubble territory. Yes, it's bubble territory. It's not safely in. Uh, there are definitely – more than, you know, 13 teams, because there's 32 conferences that probably come, that probably get in from below us. If if you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, this, no, right? no, I understand. Um, point being, Georgia Tech is at its highest that we have seen it in the Passner era, in any of these meaningful, you know, in rankings and whatnot. But it only goes so far. So it's time to it's time to bring it home, and I think that's that's the point that we most need to convey. I don't know, like like even volleyball that year that we all got super mad that they didn't make the tournament or whatever, which was yeah. last season, more yeah. or less. Wow, was, that was that feels like a long time ago. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Well, even then, they were at like seventy in RPI, and and quite frankly, as much as I wanted it to happen, I didn't think it was going to happen. This is a much yeah, more but I'm never going to admit that in public. Oh, absolutely. This is a much more realistic shot than that. And even then, they still have their work cut out for them, right? So we need to, we need to bank some of these wins. And getting, getting Virginia at home in two weekends, or sorry, a week from Wednesday. Wow, I thought it was a Saturday after that. Anyways, getting Virginia on the 10th, that is, that is one you can circle. Because quite frankly, they're the best team in the conference right now. But Georgia Tech has shown they can beat them. Georgia Tech could win the ACC basketball tournament at the end of the year. And yes, it would be exciting, but it wouldn't be the, oh my Lord, what happened kind of shocker that it would have been last year, the year before that, the year before that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the TLDR here, just to like kind of bring it full circle, is just they have expectations now. They, like, they just have to, you know, they have to execute. They, this is the year, right? This is the window. It, it's if it's going to happen, it can't happen next year because you don't have Alvarado. You 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 don't have Moses either. I think Moses is also a senior. It's got to be this year. So figure yep. it out. Uh, I think we just found our uh, our title. It's got to be this year. Figure it. out. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh boy! All right, that I think. I think that about does it before we start 
blathering on about something else. Do you have anything else to add? I mean, I just hope the people appreciate that they essentially got two podcasts for the price of one this week. <laughs> oh, they'll we'll see. We'll see. All right. Listeners, thank you all for listening for yet another week. Uh, and we will see you again in your podcast feeds very soon. Oh,